nothing special. Everyday zazening is being ordinary. Nothing extra, nothing lacking. No special thing. We don't need these words. And yet, we seem to need reminders. Reminders of what is so, of what is always so, what is always our life. Why? Because our actions and reactions are not in accord with what is so. They're not in accord with this life that we are. And most important for us is that our actions and our reactions reveal this need. They enable us to notice, to see what is so and what is not so for us. So we can always look closely at our life. Are we at peace? Even Zazening, are we at peace? Is body-mind peace? We can sense this for ourselves. We could sense it in our sinews, in our the bodily fibers, in the bodily tension and holding. Can we, do we embrace this moment life as is? Whether when we're sitting in the midst of our circumstances, in being with others, do we, can we be this intimacy moment? Or do we hold back from it? Do we hold ourselves viscerally, physically, emotionally? We can sense where that is. We can sense whether we are manifesting and responding as life of this moment or something else. Of course, each something else is our own individual moment as is. No problem, even this something else. If that's what it is, then that's exactly our place, opportunity, form of inhabiting, of being at peace this moment as is. Or we might believe stories of I should be, 
he should not be, she should do, and so on. Stories about what is lacking and what is extra. And notice those stories maybe in reacting with greed, with anger, with confusion. Notice it in our being present. Or notice it even in the sense where we resist, fight, hold back from this present. Even that holding back is the perfect presence. Do we see looking for or holding to various words and explanations, reactions and judgments about what is and isn't and should and shouldn't? Zazening is intimacy. There's nothing needed. Nothing means no special thing. Do we believe that? Do we even notice the special whatever? The problematic extra whatever? If so, Zazening is the opportunity to clarify that. Clarify means to see it clearly, to sense it clearly, to experience it clearly in one of the myriad forms that we as humans are capable of. And then make what practice effort is called for now. Called for not because it's something we have to go looking, but called for from us to the best of our ability and how much we see clearly. What we're doing is we're improving perfection this perfection that is our life. And yet, it's ours to improve perfection. It's not ours to fix something that's broken. It's always our life is the perfection of the universe. Ours is to, in a sense, stand naked as the universe. And yet, improve it. If I say, clothe it in what's appropriate for right now. Are you satisfied? We can sense this physically, viscerally, emotionally, all the ways that being satisfied is for us. Do you know how to be satisfied 
as is, satisfied as this moment. See? Though we might believe otherwise, satisfaction isn't found in grasping for conditions, for circumstances which do not last. And all conditions and circumstances do not last. See? That isn't where satisfaction is found, though we might believe that and keep looking for those conditions and circumstances. If only, when only, when I get or I get rid of or it changes. See, this is what practice principles remind us. It reminds us of the causes of dissatisfaction, caught in self-centered dream, holding to self-centered thoughts. In fact, this is the Buddha's teaching. The Buddha clarifies this, that conditions and circumstances are by their nature, by the nature of us being human, unsatisfactory, unable, inherently, because of ongoing changing, if I say it in that way, unable to satisfy, even if for this moment we say, yeah, I'm satisfied, but i got to watch out what's going to happen next. Don't take this as some, what should I say, special kind of attitude, because satisfaction doesn't keep us from taking care of whatever is called for right now. Whatever is called for to the best of our ability to see, not to the best of some thing someone else tells us or we figure it out, but to best of our ability in being present here, what's called for now out of our being, this universe life that we are here and now, whatever here and now is, whether it's the aching knee and I need to use this crutch or whatever else it is. Being this moment is taking good care of this moment. Therefore, nothing special is, is each thing, each moment special. Each thing is the whole universe. This moment is the whole of our life. It's not a before and after and just a little piece of that sort of thing. This moment is the whole of our life too. If I use an image from a different tradition, it's to hang on the cross of this moment. Give ourselves away. Give each 
holding fiber, sinew, etc., away into this moment. And, of course, each of us holds back in various ways, in various moments. See, because ongoing changing or arising passing can't satisfy desires to have things be a certain way. Can't. It's impossible. That's the nature of changing. Whatever certain way we determine, it's always changing. But because of that, if we look to changes for satisfaction, we live in the midst of potential unsatisfactoriness. And knowing that, that itself will generate unsatisfactoriness if we face that, if we come to terms with that. And yet, and yet, it's because The Buddha clarifies this, that it gives us the opportunity to be at peace, to be ordinary, to allow ourselves to be satisfied in being this ordinary moment as is. Unfortunately, Despite the consequences for us, we all can notice, unless you're some rare exception, that we have a tendency to often turn to conditions that are always changing for satisfaction, for having the conditions the circumstances be as we want them and not as we don't want them. And worse, we react based on that, react towards ourself, so-called, towards others. And reactions just perpetuate suffering and harming in different ways, sometimes subtle, sometimes more overt. Sometimes we look for satisfaction in feeling a certain way, in beliefs about whether I gain or I lose, I do, don't gain, I don't lose, self, others, So it's useful to notice if we believe gaining and losing in different ways. I mean, I use those words. Those might be words that don't resonate with you. But other words that point in that same direction might resonate. And even if 
logically we say, oh, we know that's not so, we might not be aware of this tendency, not notice how these arising thoughts, feelings, judgments are believed and held to, how we entangle in them, and worse, how we react based on them, whether towards ourselves or whether towards others. Nothing special is most ordinary and most difficult for many of us if we are truly honest with ourselves, if we are present with thoughts and feelings as they arise. That's a reason why Dogen Zenji reminds us of the importance of knowing how to be satisfied. Knowing how to be satisfied in this moment as is. This is He talks at length in this as one of the eight awarenesses of an awakened person. I think I've spoken of this in the past. Of course, as soon as we have a sense of gaining or losing, being for or against something, liking or disliking, the reactions based on that the habits of reactions might cover over the satisfaction that is the life we are. See, it covers over as the practice principles of court in self-centered dream cover over the truth of who we are. And, of course, it hinders us being the satisfaction that we are tasting it with our own tongue, experiencing it in our own body. And worse, we experience suffering, dissatisfaction, harming, uneasiness. We look for extra things or be believe that we're lacking something. So we have to look closely at how gain, loss is evidence, is evident, excuse me, evident in the ways that we evaluate our life, others' lives, what they have or don't have. What is satisfaction? What is it we believe hinders our satisfaction? What are the fears that we that arise and that we clutch and entangle in? Do we believe that others are special or are not special or that we're special or that even more that there is a need to be special. 
does this hinder for us experiencing, hinder our responding appropriately, responding clearly, responding skillfully in our life, in the circumstances, right here, right now, in our circumstances, is always something we could look. Is there, do we sense, do we feel it bodily? That we're unable, we're held back. See, our best guide is always our own bodily experiencing, our own unwillingness to release, release, release in a sense. Release what? Release where we're holding ourselves from being what we always are. We are always this, even in not releasing. That's fine. And yet, and yet, if we believe the holding, the caught, then we miss what we always have. Despite the fact that we can't miss it, we miss it. And if we miss it, we then believe the dissatisfactions, the unhappiness, and the suffering as the truth. And if we believe it, then it is so for us. And none of us want it. None of us do good things based on that. So. Okay. I will stop now and maybe there's something we can explore further together. If you wish, please change your position. someone ever asks you what's Buddha's teaching it's very simple being at peace or we could add on knowing how to be at peace or knowing how when where seeing when where how we are keeping ourselves from being at peace. Someone's there raising their hand. Um, I don't. You know, it's interesting. I was walking over here today and I, I just looked at the house and I thought, you know, it's, it's really satisfying to know that just a house, a very simple house, could contain a sashine that's so powerful. You know, something like that. Very simple house. Here we all are. And, and that, it was like a real, I mean, like, you know, don't have to go wandering someplace. Very fortunate to have it here. Um, but most of the time, you know, it's, um, it, 
that I quite like that, you know, in terms of, um, you know, sometimes, I, like for example, um, I might have a desire to uh, have something different, you know, um, and, and, and so um, it's just interesting though that um, on the one hand we can have this in a sense, and on the other hand um, there's other things that, like you said, you know, can cloud over it, that's all. Thank you. Desires come and go. If you're offered a cherry pie and you like it, take it. If you're not offered a cherry pie and you wonder and get upset, where's my cherry pie? Then you end up being hungry when there's no need to be hungry. I just picked cherry pie. But could be the piece of chocolate. Could be just a glass of water could be a breath of air. Some things are very hard to rest in, to rest as this moment. A phrase comes to my mind, but I just have a little niggling of it. I can't remember. A phrase that Joko used to like, Something about resting in this moment as is, but something else. It'll maybe it'll come, maybe it about won't. The icy couch. Ah, that's right, the icy couch. When, when our life is the icy couch, or seems that way to us, that's exactly where and how we need to rest. Joko has a phrase where she says, when we can rest at peace with our pain, that this repose is the gateless gate, and it's the last place we want to be. It's not pleasant, and our whole strategic drive is for pleasantness, but it's the only real solution, the only gate to peace is to rest exactly where we are. And this doesn't hinder us, close quote. And I'll say it doesn't hinder us from doing what's called for, to improve peace, to improve perfection. Yes. I'm a broken record. You've heard me say it <laughs> many times. And there are really hard things like that person changed my life. Yes. Perspective and for the for years to come and I'm mad at them, but that's one thing. No, no, no. Let let's stay with that, then you can go on to the next thing. Whatever that person did, when, when it, you bring it up now and you believe it as a way of holding and generating mad suffering, anger, then in a sense you poison your life. You poison your life. No one else does. 
whatever that person and whoever that person is, whatever they did back then, now it's a memory. And if we churn that memory and take it as a stick and bang at our back and complain, ow, my back hurts, why does my back hurt? It's that person's fault, it's that person's fault. What do you expect? Talked about atonement yesterday. That's what it is: is letting go of those yeah. personal slights, personal and impersonal. Personal and impersonal. I grew up with people who many of the people I grew up with were the last of their family who survived the Shoah, the Holocaust in Eastern Europe. They had many relatives, brothers, sisters, husbands, wives, some of them, children, etc., who were killed. And there were formal times when they would mourn them various times during the year. But if they kept on holding on to that throughout the day, then their life was very bitter. Most of them let go of it most much of the time. It doesn't mean it doesn't come up. Some of them it came up in their dreams or in their sleep. And I heard this from personal testimonies. I was a child. They were adults. So what did I know about this? Very little. Some of them I knew some of their children. But those that held on to it suffered endlessly. I had a teacher who most of the time he was f- quite fine, but occasionally he would start running around the class and bombs are falling, bombs are falling, bombs are falling. He was back. He had what we would now call PTSD. When I was a kid, who knew what that was? Except we knew it was because he was in the bombing in Shanghai. Now, he had, a, he had escaped to Shanghai. I think I mentioned him once from... Lithuania, where most of the rest of his family was killed. And occasionally it came up. But if if he every morning took it and started banging himself with it, if he, when he was able to see it and wasn't in the throes of that, call it PTSD, of that which took, took him over, you know, when he wasn't in the throes of that, he was able to not be caught up with it, not keep pulling it out and banging himself. Otherwise, he wouldn't have been able to live his life. He wouldn't have been able to function, to teach us much less. He was a joyful person most of the time. And the same, I had a friend whose father... Um, had been through that, and most of the time, actually, I don't, didn't, I shouldn't say I had. I have a friend. He's uh, my oldest friend, other than relatives, because I knew him in the third, from the third grade on. So we were about eight when we met. Um, most of the time, his father was a very generous and joyous person. Most of the time, and he suffered even when he came to, was in America. Um, I mean, they had been in a displaced persons camp for at least four years after the war in Germany. And then eventually, I don't remember what year they came, 
So, if you are practicing every time that I'm mad at him comes up, that's a reminder for a moment, two moments, a minute, to sit and to breathe and to sense how you're holding and seeing can you release that just a little. Can you breathe into it so that the holding of itself releases so that you can, as Joko says, rest in peace in your pain bodily. That's what that's resting in the on the icy couch. Icy couch is the most uncomfortable if we think about it. And yet when that's what's ours, it's not to stir the pot, but to rest at that. Why is it there? Who knows? That's cause and effect. I don't have to figure all that out. But it's mine to do what I what's appropriate in the midst of that. See, if that's the whole of zazen, because we sit down and we're upright, and there's nothing particularly going on, and yet all sorts of things arise. All sorts of things. I remember my first long session. Parts of it were, and this was an eight-day session, and we would sit at least 50-minute periods. So, and I was, a, you know, fairly new to sitting session. That was my second session. Because I had done a three-day, and or, or was it a four-day? I don't remember. It was a weekend session, and the people afterward told me, oh, yeah, you know, the session's just getting good, and everything's going well, and then session ends. You need to do a long one. So I said, okay. You know, because I, I managed the, the weekend one, and I, it was hard, but, you know. So I said, okay, I'll, uh, this eight-day session's coming up. I'm going to go do it. So parts of that were wonderful, but parts of it were hell that I'd never imagined. And the hell wasn't just the physical, but it was all the thoughts that came up, all the feelings, all the who knows what, imagining memories, non-memories, and staying with that. When it comes up, that's yours to see what's skillful to do to inhabit it. That's why, in a way, it's so simple. Sashin is very plain and simple. It's just sitting, the period starts, the period ends, we get up, we walk, we continue, we sit down, period starts, period ends. Very plain, the most plain and ordinary. Really, being ordinary is all you have to do. Nothing extra, nothing lacking. You don't have to go doing something extra. You don't have to be something special. Because you are special, but you're the whole universe special right as it is. The naked universe is who you are. And don't think you have to take off any clothes. Clothes are fine for as the naked universe. Sure. Uh, I didn't think that was my question, but maybe that was my question. I don't know. That's what I heard. <laughs> that was my pre- preface. And <laughs> <laughs> there, there was 
a real thing, as you know, that I'm practicing to, to get over a slight that caused a big change in my life right. that I'm not happy about. But my practice in dealing with that is simple. I understand what it is, and it's a process like grieving that passes over time. It's not something that just instantly goes away. But the, the part that I never quite understand about where the world and us being at peace, it never all the way, um, I never get a satisfactory answer in anything I've ever heard you say, is that there's some things in the world you just can't be at peace with. And as a result, you need to get up and make some kind of action. Or there's times when it's appropriate to say there's nothing I can do. But let me give just an example. I'm just drawing something. Wait, let, let's stop just for a second, and you could continue. See, you could get up and do things out of being at peace. Be, if Because you're doing it is manifesting peace. See, you're doing it is manifesting peace. That's resting in the pain. See, being at peace with the pain is manifesting peace and doing whatever you see as appropriate. I was just part of a email exchange in, among various Zen teachers, and one of them was talking about, he says, I go, I just came back from, no, he said, I just came back from this had to do with climate change, etc. And he says, I, come, I just came back from where I and a number of others of us were sitting on a street corner with people who are part of a group call, uh, called Extinction Something. I don't remember the full name. But he said, what we do is we sit. That's our at peace, skillful action. Go on. Well, well let, let, let him let him finish. You, you've got well, one example was like say there's a policeman in Mexico and he would like to do the ethical right thing. He sees corruption, but they say if you don't play along and be corrupt like the rest of us, we'll kill your family. So there's a moral ethical dilemma because what does he do? what's right. And so when you see things in the world that you know aren't right, how can you just be at peace? Either you act because your action is like, this is not all right. I can, must do something. I have a moral obligation to do something about this. So there's where I get all the personal things to practice with, but there are some things we simply cannot tolerate, and all the bad things have happened when people are apathetic. They're like, not my problem. No, no. See, you're mixing words. You have to know that at peace doesn't mean apathetic. And at peace doesn't mean I don't do things. But, so that's really, if I use a word, the koan of what do you do? And it doesn't matter if it's with your relatives at a dinner table in the next month where you have disagreements, where people don't like each other because of 
10 years ago someone got one inheritance and someone else didn't, or whatever else. How do you be at peace in responding to them? And it doesn't mean they're going to be happy with it, but how do you not bring anger and greed and hatred into that? That's ours. I don't have a formula because there is no formula. The formula is your life. And your life, only you can live. But how can you live your life fully with the pain of those who you're with, yourself, and respond? That's your practice. See, that's... And it doesn't matter if your pain is because it comes up right now because... He said that to me. He said that to me. It hurts so much. I hate it. And how do you have those thoughts and feelings come up? Well, I'm so terrified. I've got to go to tomorrow. What's? How do you be that terror and fear and sadness and whatever and yet not get so overwhelmed by it so that you can't inhabit it? And you can't therefore respond skillfully. Instead, you cause more suffering about it and suffering so-called for yourself or so-called for others or so-called harming for yourself or others. There isn't a formula because you have to live it. It's your life and no one else can live your life for you. None of us can live our someone else's life. So though we think we can and we think we should direct them for how to live their life the way we figure out how they should live their life. Unfortunately, we do that too. See, we're all this cause and effect universe that's manifesting all sorts of forces. Some, a tiny, tiny bit we see and a great bit we don't see. But How do we be at peace? How do we stop running? This is what I talked about yesterday also. This is what the Buddha was talking about yesterday, to the extent that I quoted that. Okay. Kim, you wanted to... Something that has helped when I have found myself Let's take politics, for example. It's probably not quite as deep because politics is superficial for some of us. But um, the, there was a real um, sense of unhappiness with the way politics was for a while and a real sense of needing action. And what seemed to help was doing deep bowing. I bow to the mess that is politics. I bow to the mess that is politics. And in doing so, it was not like a superficial bow. It was like, you know, deep, appreciative, this is my practice, bow. As in, um, God, this sucks. But I bow to it in appreciation for it sucking. And in that, moment of doing these bowings as one of these session things, there was this enormous sense of relief. Oh, it is a mess. I acknowledge this sucks. But by 
doing this very focused effort of, of bowing, it I, somehow transformed it. And I think that's sort of the experience. I'm trying to use that in other things. I bow to the mess that is, you know, fill in the blank right now. Um, but it, I'm not sure how to say this. There's a real difference for me between going out and doing the action that is needed, say, knocking on the doors or, or um, you know, whatever the action is, but it, it, doing it out of this sort of clenched fear didn't work as well as being okay with the fact that it sucked and then doing the next thing because the next thing was there to do. And I'm not sure, does that make sense? Yeah. It, it, I've spoken to some of you, I've encouraged some of you when there's some particular person you're very angry with or they're very, you feel they're very angry with you or they're mistreating you or whatever, to one practice, not the only thing, but one practice is I encouraged you to bow with them in the morning sometimes, after you've done your formal sitting, to bow with so-and-so. And not just imagine, they don't have to literally be there, but just imagine they're there with you and bow 18 times or bow as many times as works for you with them, with them bowing with you. And as you say, there's something in that process. Others of you will can, if you want to bring it up, where you've done that or we've talked about that. Um, bowing is a wonderful visceral practice that do, almost doesn't matter where you're thoughts are running of themselves. If you can include those running thoughts in the bowing and just do the bowing with that, there's a power to it um, that's, I'll use the word transformative, but I don't want you to then go looking for the transformative because then you're going to say, well, this isn't transformative. I did it. See, I did it. And I was looking for the transformative and it didn't happen. Um, but it's, it's one, there are many practices and they're all, in a sense, based on the perfection that you, your life is. And yet, the improving perfection that is your opportunity. Someone, Antonio. Thing about what you were saying, Kim. Um, it seems to me personally, and you helped me with this yesterday, Elihim, that when I can appreciate the icy couch, whatever the thing is, however you get to the place that this is my life and even though I want to push this away, it's, it's my life. And I'm going to work to 
included in some kind of appreciation because it is my life, then the whatever was on the other side of that, the hatred, the vehemency, the resistance to it, it does have a, a melding or, or release. But for me it was uh, being able to hold both. Like, whoa, that vehemency was so hard, and yet I can appreciate that this is my life. And it was like I was able to be really kind of, for a moment, <laughs> at one with it. But I did feel the potential um, piece of that while that was happening. That's all. Good. Okay, thank you. This is enough for now. We'll continue tomorrow.